fantasy football fans, this is Jeff Power, senior writer for Real-Time Fantasy Sports. And welcome to another edition of the Real-Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's show, I'm going to be joined by FF Today writer Doug Orth. I'll be talking with Doug about all things going on in the fantasy football world right now. Before I get that interview with Doug, I did want to mention that we do offer daily games here at Real-Time Fantasy Sports. So if you want to get into a daily basketball or football game, Go to rtsports.com and click on the daily link on the page and sign up for a league today. We have all different price points and all different games to play for daily fantasy basketball and football. So sign up for a league today at rtsports.com and click on the daily link at the top of the page. And now for my interview with Doug Orth of FF Today. And I'm joined now by Doug Orth from FF Today. Doug was with me earlier this season, and he joins me again to talk some fantasy football for Week 9. Doug, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Good to be back. First off, Doug, I want to know what's going on over at FF Today right now. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what you guys are doing over there? Well, the regular uh, regular season grind, if you will, uh, that includes – there's the weekly Inside the Magic column, which uh, uh, covers every uh, all the fantasy-relevant uh, players for every game. Uh, I don't participate in that per se, but that's one of the things that the site does every week. I started I started back, oh, 10 years ago, and then I've kind of moved on to my, my column, the all-out blitz, but that's one of the things that uh, is close to a, a must-read for a lot of people uh, each and every week. As I mentioned, the all-out blitz. That I kind of just take a uh, something that um, fascinates me for that week, and uh, usually turn out about three or four thousand words on it. And that's what I did this past week, uh, where I covered the the five the five big trades of, of Monday and Tuesday afternoon. And uh, we'll get into that. I know here in a little bit, but that's those are the. Uh, that's what I do during during the regular season anyway, as far as FF Today goes. Yeah, I, I highly encourage anybody, if you haven't checked out fftoday.com, to go there today and check it out. They have a lot of great info to help you get ready for your week. Like Doug said, he mentioned a lot of things that they do, but I just highly encourage any anybody listening out there to go check them out at fftoday.com. So, Doug, last time I spoke with you, it was uh, before the season started. Now we're getting ready to start week nine. So I wanted to try to get your perspective a little bit about the season to date. Is there anything that has stood out to you from a fantasy perspective, you know, trends, players, anything particular that has uh, caught you for this season so far? Well, I don't recall if we talked about it in the summer. I think we probably did, but it, and it seems obvious to say rookie running backs now, but that's where I'm going to go. Uh, I know I suggested in other places this summer that this rookie class was going to be for that position what the 24 draft class was at receiver. Of course, that class included the likes of uh, Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, so on and so forth. I know I'm leaving a couple, uh, at least a handful of players out there. But anyway, but the the insane amount of success, and I think you can we can characterize it as insane amount of success of players like Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt that David Boyd out of the gate has just has been mighty impressive. Yeah, I don't think that anybody expected uh, this from that rookie class. I think we all thought they were going to be pretty good, but I can't remember a fantasy season impacted by rookies like this. I mean, at every position, too, it's mm-hmm. been crazy. And there's even guys that are coming back now that could help, like D.D. Westbrook. He's a guy that could be uh, 
impactful rookie before the season is out as well. And I know we'll talk about him in a bit, but definitely, um, definitely. The, uh, yeah, with, now with Hunt, I, I don't want to say I saw this coming because, I mean, it's, I saw it coming more with him than I did with Fournette. And it's, Fournette, I thought the whole time, was the most talented back in the class. That's not, that wasn't of you know, a question mark with me either. He had, of course, he had the preseason foot injury, which concerned some people. But my main concern with him was overcoming that offensive line. And apparently that's not that wasn't an issue either. So yeah, no, it has not. You know, we we're talking about rookies here, but I, I want to mention a little bit about you know going forward for fantasy teams. There's always seems to be a player or two that you know really has an impactful stretch run for teams. Either you get them from the waiver wire or somebody you trade for. Is there anybody out there right now that you're eyeing to get on all your teams? Yeah, I every time I, I think about like second half uh, stretch run stars or potential stars, I always think back to I think it was 2014 and C.J. Anderson, and I know it, there's there's a whole host that we we can go back as far as Drew Bennett back in the year, in the early to mid 2000s, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember writing a column about what the impact he had uh, during the stretch run the one year. Um, Anyway, to answer your question, I've already done this in as many leagues as I could, uh, but Corey Davis and D.D. Westbrook are two players I'm targeting as in and picking up in as many leagues as I can. I know I have Davis in six of my leagues, and I'd be surprised if I don't have Westbrook in just as many now. Um, I'd say the reasons for picking them up are fairly obvious. Corey Davis, you think about how much time he missed in the preseason, offseason and preseason, and week one comes, and he's basically inserted as the number one receiver. That tells me right away Tennessee thinks that if they if they don't think he's a star right now, they think he's well on his way. Uh, I compared him to Brandon Marshall during the, the, the pre-draft process. Other people said to Yo, that's the kind of receiver that you want in the second half on your team in the second half of any season. D.D. Westbrook, I know people are going to say preseason is the preseason. He led all receivers in receiving yards during the preseason but not only that, he was if he wasn't the best receiver in college last year, he was one of the best. Uh I'm not gonna go as far as to say that some people have said can he have an Odell Beckham rookie year kind of impact. I'm not gonna go that far, but uh it wouldn't surprise me in December if we're looking at him as a as a uh every week WR three. Um yeah. go ahead. No, I'm very high on Westbrook too. I'm I'm very intrigued by him going forward. You know, like you said, he had a huge preseason, and their receiving core just isn't very good right now. And I think he's going to get inserted in that lineup likely this week, and he could be the number one from the get-go, kind of like Corey uh, Davis with Tennessee mm-hmm. that you were talking about as well. I'll say two other guys. These are more obvious, but they can slip. You know, when players don't, when players aren't at the top of their point, uh, top of their position in terms of season points, sometimes they get lost in the cracks. I picked up Charles Clay in as many leagues as I could, and I've done the same thing with Greg Olson. Um, I think Clay's second-half impact is going to be curbed a little bit by the arrival of Kellen Benjamin, but the offense coordinator there, Rick Dennison in Buffalo, uh, he has a, a history of making sure the tight end is involved. So uh, whatever... Whatever concern people might have about Benjamin showing up to Buffalo, I think 
they can still think of Clay as a, a low-end tight end one. Uh, Greg Olson, for obvious reasons, now that Benjamin's gone, Greg Olson, I think that pretty much locks him into the, uh, not that he wasn't going to be already, but locks him into top target status there in Carolina. Uh, those are, the reason I mentioned Greg Olson is because I'm in six RTS leagues. I think he was dropped in three of them. And then in one of my three high-stakes leagues, I think he was dropped as well. So if they're get, if these guys are getting dropped in hundred you know hundred dollar entry fee or thousand dollar entry fee leagues, they're probably getting dropped in in your traditional Yahoo and ESPN leagues as well. So uh, those are all those are four guys that right off the top of my head I would be pretty comfortable in recommending for the second half. So on the flip side of that, any players right now that you think it's a good time to sell high on and get that maximum value for them, maybe guys that might tail off after a fast start to the season? Okay, well, I'm going to leave it at one, and I'm probably going to be pretty much on my own on this one. But the one I would consider cashing in on is Deshaun Watson. Uh, I really have nothing against him. I'm glad he's in Houston, and I think that he stops the revolving door at quarterback in Houston, uh, and given the relatively small price that you pay to get in, probably means you can stand pat with them and be okay. The reason I want to sell high, though, is because I really don't care for his fantasy playoff schedule. Now, the first criticism of that comment will be, well, he just took, you know, took Seattle behind the woodshed. Well, okay. Watson faces the Jags and the Steelers in the final two weeks of the fantasy regular season. Or the fantasy in the fantasy playoffs. I'm sorry, those are two of the three stingiest defenses against opposing or against quarterbacks. I think Jacksonville has given up a, a grand total of four passing touchdowns this year, and I could look up Pittsburgh real quick. It's not Pittsburgh hasn't given up much more. Um, in two of the next four weeks, the Texans play against the Rams and the Ravens, and those teams are the eighth and the second stingiest respectively against opposing quarterbacks. So what you got is we've got half half of a regular half of the season to go yet, and four of the matchups are against the the top quarter of pass defenses that he can potentially see. Uh, I know on I saw one thread in the in our FF Today forums that one of the posters was was asking should I trade. I think he was, I want to say it was Watson for Fournette and another one. And he, he had Watson and Wilson, Watson and Russell Wilson. And one, should I trade Watson for Fournette or should I trade, um, I believe it was Russell Wilson for Jordan Howard. If people are offering you, I'm just going to say this real quick, if people are offering you Leonard Fournette for Deshaun Watson, take that trade, it's, it, assuming that you have a capable quarterback to play uh, behind Watson. Um, that's not to say that he can't overcome some of those matchups. I just, to consistently overcome difficult matchups, that's something that you struggle with with established veteran quarterbacks like Brady. So expecting a rookie to do it, um, you're, you're betting. You're it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig to expect Watson to overcome those matchups. Yeah, I would definitely do. I would not to sorry, not to interrupt you there, but I would definitely do that trade as well. I think that's a a good 
you know, sell high move, especially if you have Wilson, who, as we've seen the last couple of years, he's just been a monster in the second half of the season. So you're set up pretty good if you have Wilson as your starter, and then you have Fournette as a number one back, and who knows what else is on that roster. So I think that's definitely a trade that I would uh, pull the trigger on if I was that owner. Now, I'll tell you this real quick. I've, I can say, speak from personal experience. Now, our, the, the trade deadline in one of my in my high-stakes leagues, it passed, I believe, uh, Friday. So I made this trade two Fridays ago. And it was – and it, it's going to sound ridiculous. I understand I have Tom Brady, so I, I felt like I could make this trade and I needed to help, help a tight end. But – the, the key components of the trade were Watson and, and Austin Safarian Jenkins. I traded Watson. I got back Austin Safarian Jenkins. There were other parts to it, but those were the, the key components. I want to sit back and regret the trade, but I don't because I really needed the tight end. And <laughs> um, is his value higher? Is is Watson's high value higher than that? Yeah, I would I would think it is. Um, to, but to each their own. And I, I looked as I do with all players, that's part of what my preseason grading process is based on is anticipating and looking at matchups. Um, I saw these matchups back when I made the trade, and I was comfortable. If I faced this guy in the playoffs, I was comfortable with having to face Watson against Jacksonville and Pittsburgh as opposed to um, not having a capable tight end. So. Yeah, so we're talking about hot names a little bit, and a hot name on waivers this week is Juju Smith-Schuster, who had a huge game last week. He got the start, had his first 100-yard game of his career, and he's been picked up in most formats that have their waivers run this week. Do you think he's a legit guy that's going to be a help for fantasy teams going forward, or do you think last week was a little bit of a fluke for him? Um, I'm going to... I wish I could give you a black and white answer to this. Um, I think he's a legit fantasy player going forward, but more because of the offense he's in than because of his talent. Uh, I, I one of the things I do for FF today during the off season is as I, I grade grade I should say evaluate and somewhat to a, to a degree grade uh, about the fifth, top fifteen to twenty prospects coming out in the draft and Juju's and I expanded that this year to include. More prospects. Anyway, Juju Smith-Schuster was one of the others that I uh, took a quick look at. Uh, I gave him a high-end comp to Hakeem Nix and a low-end comp to Jalen Strong before the draft. I noted at the time one of his best traits is his ability to turn into a running back after the catch. And we saw, while he wasn't plowing people over, we saw what he was capable of doing after the catch on that 97-yard score last week. Uh, I also said before the draft he has strong but inconsistent hands and doesn't create a lot of separation, and I kind of believe we're going to see that manifest itself as we move along. Having said all that, you got Levy. Anytime you have Levy on Bell and Antonio Brown demanding as much attention as they do, defenses don't have the wherewithal or the personnel to slide help over to their other quarterback to. Help to help with Schuster to to help with Smith Schuster. So um, he's going. I think he's going to be all right based on the situation that he's in. I'm not. Uh, I'm still not quite a believer in his talent yet, but I think the situation that he's in is going to make him certainly a capable W every week WR three moving forward. 
So, Doug, the other big news of the week is the trades. I mean, I've been doing this fantasy football writing stuff for 15-plus years now, and I cannot remember a trade deadline that was had this much activity and this much impactful fantasy uh, trades that happened. So I wanted to get your view on the big three trades. First one I wanted to ask you about is Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers. What, what do you feel about that trade? Okay, I think – your owners would be looking at that trade. They, they better be looking at that trade for 2018 and beyond, not this year. I'm not sure how much how much I'm going to put into what Kyle Shanahan said yesterday about we may not see him at all this year. Um, that's entirely possible. I don't think it's realistic. I think we'll probably see him in December. But and and this is uh, this is one of the things. This is the article that I just wrote last night had to do covered with these three major trades and without getting too over the board because i put about four five or six paragraphs together for each each guy new england runs what's called the Earhart perkins system kyle shanahan is more of a west traditional west coast offense based guy the Earhart perkins system is concept based the west coast offense is more of a number based uh just we'll call it a number-based system, so it's more a straight line, shall we say. Garoppolo comes you see in Illinois. He came. He played out of the spread spread system, so there's really nothing in his history that suggests that he's going to be a quick study for this new system, the West Coast system that he's going to go into. San Francisco doesn't have anything to play for this year, so it's not as if they're. You remember that trade that Oakland made a few years ago for Carson Palmer so they could have a midseason quarterback to take them the rest of the way. This isn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're, when this trade was made, they're looking at, hey, we can get a two-month head start on teaching this guy our system. We can avoid having to reach in the draft if if necessary, mm-hmm. assuming that any or all the top quarterback prospects come out. You avoid all that by getting Garoppolo. So why not get a why not kick the tires on him? Look at him in practice for these next two months. I no long term him. I don't. You don't give up a second round pick and not say, oh well, we'll just let him walk. So I mean, but to say that he's going to have an impact this year um, would be, I think, would be would be fooling ourselves if that's the case. I think you're looking at this as a net positive in him at. This is a net positive for him and, and the 49ers in Dynasty Leagues. I don't think we're going to see much redraft impact. So the next big trade, Kelvin Benjamin dealt to Buffalo. Number one receiver from Carolina heads to Buffalo to become their number one target. How does this impact his value? Is this a positive move? Do you think it's a lateral move, or is this a poor move for his fantasy value? Initially, as with any football player that moves from one team to another, it, it, this is a, football is unlike any other sport where you can you make a trade in baseball you can you can stick that guy that was the number five hitter in your lineup into your the number five spot in your lineup. Basketball, for the most part, if you bring in a three point shooter, he can shoot three point shots for you as soon as he passes his physical. Um, again, we're tra- we're transitioning offensive systems here. Having said that. There's plenty of familiarity. There's a there's a handful of people, including the coaches, that came 
that uh, no Benjamin Well from his Carolina days. You mean tell me, of course, Sean McDermott was the defense coordinator in Carolina. The GM also came from Carolina. There's like a handful, like Mike Tolbert, for example. Uh, those are guys that all played in Carolina last year. So that's going to help speed up the, the process of him integrating himself into Buffalo. Um, if you're looking for Week 9 impact, I, 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 doubt, he, I doubt he's active t- t- uh, tonight, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not sure we can count on him having impact in Week 10 either. rest of the season, though, at, let's face it, Cam Newton, except for a couple games, hasn't been that great of a quarterback. Um, Tyrod Taylor's not exactly a tight window thrower. He's not one of those guys that you look at and say, oh, he'll, he'll just throw, throw it up and, and Kelvin Benjamin will come down with it. But, again, I'll, I'll take you back to the whole Cam Newton hasn't been that great this year. Uh, and Tyrod Taylor is actually – Tyrod Taylor has probably been a better real quarterback than Newton has this year. So I don't know if I'm trying to talk myself into it being a net positive, but I think it will. I think it actually will uh, benefit him a little bit. Uh, and I would say that primarily based on – in Carolina, you really never knew if – any player besides Cam Newton was the main red zone threat. I think in Buffalo, it'll be pretty obvious pretty quickly that Kelvin Benjamin should, anytime that they drop back to throw in the red zone, I think Kelvin Benjamin should be the one that's being targeted. So I think it ends up being a slight positive for him. So the biggest name traded is Jay Ajayi traded to the Eagles. He was a first-round draft pick in most fantasy formats. He has not lived up to the preseason hype with Miami. He was not playing very well before getting traded, for fantasy teams at least. And obviously Miami was kind of upset with his uh, lack of knowledge of the playbook is what the reports are. So he gets shipped to Philadelphia. So what do you think of this trade? He has a lot to compete with for carries, but he moves to a much better offensive line. I'd I'd like to get your thoughts on Ajayi going forward. Okay, so I think the knee-jerk reaction of this trade is, Will likely be that the Jai will replace Blunt in a week or two, only if only because if Jai is a younger, more nimble version of Blunt, and running back is by far the easiest position to learn. When, whether a player is transitioning from the college to the pro game or switching teams. Um, having said that, I, I don't think Blunt just goes away. I don't think. You still have the pass catching backs there, Kenyon Barner, Wendell Smallwood. Um, I, I think Ajay because the week week ten bye comes as week the bye week for Philadelphia is next week. I think they use that time to make the transition from Blunt to Ajay as the primary back. Uh, notice I didn't say feature back. Uh, I don't think Blunt's just going to go away. I think he'll have his five or six carries. I think uh, whoever they choose to be the play the Darren Sproles role will have his will have his say in the in the mix too. Um, I think his stock goes up a little bit, but it's not like he. I don't think we can expect him to have 20, 20 touches a game and uh, uh, dominate like. I don't think I don't think he's going to live up to the the amount that owners 
invested him in, in, in drafts this summer. Let's let's put it that way. He hasn't scored yet, so I think he'll from that perspective he'll he'll score fairly he'll score a touchdown fairly quickly. Um, but yeah, if you're looking to recoup the first or second round pick that you spent on him this summer, you're, that's probably not going to happen. So. Doug, before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about week nine, but I also, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I don't know if you're on your computer as well, but everything's blown up for me over here with work and my Twitter's blown up. I don't know if you saw it, but Deshaun Watson apparently suffered a torn ACL in practice today. It was a non-contact injury. So that's awful news for Houston and fantasy owners as well. I know you talked about maybe selling high on him earlier in this interview, but that's the latest news that's all over Twitter right now. I don't know if you've seen it and if you have any. I, no, I heard that he uh, had a knee issue. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I'm seeing it now. Wow. Yeah. It's 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 all over now, and it's that's awful news for fantasy owners, obviously, who had Watson because he's rated number one overall in most formats right now, and that's a huge, huge loss for that team. And, it's unfortunate just for to be an NFL fan because I don't know about you, I really enjoyed watching him play this year, and it was just fun to see him grow uh, throughout the season. He just seems to be gaining confidence every week. So this is just awful news in my view. I don't know if you have any reaction to any of this as it's well, yeah. happening this, right now. <laughs> what you're going to hear is very authentic because again, you're the one you're the one breaking the news to me here. Um, no, what you, what you said was spot on, though. Uh, you, you think about, I, I'm sure you were among the many, like I was, that watched him in week two against Cincinnati. And you're thinking, oh, my God, what a boring offense. I think that was a 12-9 to game. And, yeah. uh, I mean, he had that, that 49-yard touchdown run that started to give people some hope about, okay, well, maybe maybe this guy is the future. And then the stride that he stride that he's made – uh, week three, I believe, was New England, and that was kind of the start of his coming out party. Uh, and then he just, he had just been money since then. I I I personally think it was he was taking an advantage. If you look at the the matchups that he's had, he's taken, and we we have the the the, the points allowed for per per position uh, at every position on on the on the website on the FF Today website. And if you look at the matchups, he's taken he's taken full advantage of every good one, and he's performed at a pretty decent level against all the all the uh, what were otherwise uh, unforgiving matchups. Um, but yeah, this is <laughs> yeah th- this this hurts this hurts uh, in a big way. You think about how great. DeAndre Hopkins has been. You think about how great Will Fuller has been since he came back from his injury. I mean, this this all started about the same time Will Fuller came back from his his preseason injury. Not to say he was the reason for it, but it's the sole reason for it. But um, wow, yeah, this is going to have a big impact on a lot of a lot of players going forward. Unfortunately, so uh, before I let you go again. I wanted to ask you about week nine just quickly. You have a couple sleeper plays for our listeners out there, maybe a couple guys that are, I mean, we have six teams on a bye once again, so it's kind of hard to make some lineups for some owners. Any any guys out there you think could be a good streaming play for fantasy teams this week? 
Well, this I feel like I'm going to be cheating here when I when I mention these two guys because they both already kind of been serviceable, and it, I guess it, it this is also serves as a slight pat on the back because I've acquired both of these guys over the last two weeks off of waivers in my most important league, but uh, Ted Ginn and Vernon Davis immediately come to mind. Uh, prior to last week versus the Panthers, Tampa Bay has been giving getting carved up by passing games. Uh, you look at deep threats like Deontay Thompson and, you know, the, the venerable Deontay Thompson who has been with two different teams already this year and John Brown have already enjoyed plenty of success on limited targets against the Bucks. Now you got Ted Ginn who, for the first time in his career, isn't dropping passes and he's playing with the best quarterback of his career. Um, you know, I, I, if, I imagine most people are playing PPR these days. I, I'd be fairly surprised if Ted Ginn doesn't put up about 15 points in PPR this this week. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more than that, actually. As far as Vernon Davis is concerned, I think the nod for him is fairly obvious. He does well just about any time Jordan Reed can't play, and that appears to be the case this week. Uh, as you all know, the Red, Redskins receivers are very much in a state of flux, and that's putting it, putting it kindly. And I come across this little nugget today. Davis is six twenty yard catches this season, and he's 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 had a sixty six point four percent snap share. So that, he's he's played sixty four sixty six point four percent of the snaps. Um, but anyway, his six twenty yard catches this season in that time ranks third in the league, even though he ranks twenty sixth among tight ends in catches. So you take Jordan Reed out of the mix this week, and maybe maybe beyond. Um, you t- and you add in the fact that the Washington Redskins or Washington's receivers haven't been much to write home about. Jamison Crowder, who had his breakout game last week, may not play this week. Um, a lot of stuff is pointing toward Vernon Davis being a primary target this week against Seattle. All right, great stuff, Doug. Really appreciate you coming on with me again today. Uh, again, you can follow Doug on Twitter. I didn't mention this earlier, but you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Doug Orth. It's O-R-T-H. And you can read all the stuff on fftoday.com. He has some great info over there. You can check him out every week. So, Doug, really appreciate you coming on again, and we'll have to do it again before the season is out. Sounds, sounds like a plan there, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. And that was my interview with Doug Orth of FF Today. I want to thank Doug for being a great guest on the show today, and I want to wish you luck in all your fantasy football games this weekend. This has been Jeff Power for Real Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day. 